Secondary Sideline, I am your host, Tara Gillespie, and today we're going to be talking about the one, the only, Super Bowl 58. Guess who's back? Back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. If you didn't catch on, this is a reference to my little sabbatical, but also a reference to the Detroit Lions, aka Home and m and m even though they lost the NFC Championship. Over the past couple of months, I've heard some noise about my lack of publishing in Season 2, but I figure... Four episodes from season two, nine episodes from season one, that almost completes a full season. So it's fine. In my defense, though, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement from the season from the games that I watched, at least. Taylor Swift was still in every other frame of a Chiefs game, the Bears still lost to the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers still had something to say every week, even though he did not play. Anywho, I thought I should make my comeback this week for this iconic Super Bowl, because it looked like a job for me, and dare I say needed a little controversy, that is, of the seven people who listen to this podcast. So, buckle in for this roller coaster of a Super Bowl. This Super Bowl matchup, as we all know, I'm sure, was between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers in Las Vegas, which was actually the same Super Bowl matchup from four years ago. Unlike the Chiefs, San Francisco's team looked pretty different four years ago. Jimmy Garoppolo was still quarterback, and Christian McCaffrey was not yet in San Fran. The Chiefs, for the most part, excluding the loss of Tyreek Hill, have stayed a fairly similar team since their win in 2020 and their win in 2023, and now their win this year. Their win against the 49ers on Sunday makes three wins in five years. So now we have to endure all of this talk about Mahomes being the next Tom Brady and the Chiefs being the next dynasty since the Patriots. Let me just go on record now and say that's not a thing. Okay, first and foremost, at least for now, Mahomes is just not Tom Brady, and I think we can put that conversation on hold for another couple years. Let's just wait to see an old friend of ours come back from injury, Mr. Joe Burrow, and then watch the two of them go head-to-head next season before we even revisit that comparison. But more importantly, Travis Kelsey is not, and never will be, the powerhouse and beautiful man that is Rob Gronkowski. Period. End of sentence. Thank you. Next. Okay, back to the game. Let me set the scene. Okay, so it's Mr. Irrelevant, selected by the 49ers as the final pick in the 2022 draft, faces Patrick Mahomes, who has received praise and speculation for being the best quarterback in the league currently. There were some worries about Brock Purdy undergoing some pressure and possibly fighting off some nerves, but none of that was transparent through the screen. The entire first half was honestly a little mundane. Early in the first quarter, the Chiefs recovered the Niners' fumble and then did little with that, and then early in the second quarter, the Chiefs turned over the ball to the 49ers, so it was a little back and forth. Early in the game as well, the 49ers took a huge loss in the injury of linebacker Dre Greenlaw, who tore his Achilles tendon. Greenlaw has been nothing but an asset to San Francisco this whole season, so losing him so early in the game, and not even losing him from a play in the game, he was just running out to play, and then that's when he tore his Achilles tendon, obviously has to set the tone in a very negative light. I think that the first half was more a game of defenses, because it felt like an Iowa football game for a minute there, but there was one play that was definitely worth mentioning. 
The 49ers ran a trick play with Brock Purdy throwing across the field to wide receiver Jawan Jennings, who then threw to Christian McCaffrey for a 21-yard touchdown, their first of the game. With that touchdown and a field goal from each team, the 49ers led 10-3 going into halftime. Then the lights were shut off, and we got into the main event, Usher's halftime performance. I and the rest of America were wrong in predicting that he would start with his classic track, OMG, but we'll just chalk that up to a missed opportunity. And I don't even know what the first song he started with, but a couple songs later he sang Confessions, and let me be the first to say, Glee did it better. Then Alicia Keys sang one song, but she like absolutely like murdered the first note like in a bad way, and that's all I could focus on until Usher started hugging her from the back, and then I had to look up if she was married. Spoiler alert, she is. Then Usher took his shirt off. I enjoyed that. Then... I screamed at the TV when I thought that Kanye and Northwest had made an appearance. They did not. I also got so excited when I thought Celia Green was on screen. He also was not there. So I'm like 0 for 5 at this point in guessing people that are just not the people that I think they are. But I did see Justin Bieber, except he was sitting with Haley when he should have been warming up for his performance to sing Somebody to Love Remix. And that was just quite the disappointment. Overall, I felt like Usher was, like, finally hyping up when he started to sing, yeah, exclamation point. But then it ended, and I just felt, like, very unfulfilled. Not as unfulfilled, though, as I was in the second half of this game, so let's go through the rest of it. So, by the fourth quarter, I thought the 49ers were going to take home the championship until one crucial mistake. For one of two reasons, actually. So, in the fourth quarter, San Fran scored a touchdown to gain a 16-13 lead over the Chiefs. But when kicking for the extra point, it was tipped, and their score stayed at 16 when it could have been 17. And that extra point could have potentially ended the game in regulation with the 49ers win. So that's the first reason. The second reason that that was such a terrible mistake is because 0 and 9 happy to be my numbers for a $1,600 payout in squares, which is what the game would have been if they had scored that extra point. And to top it all off, I really was just thinking about getting Chipotle all day, but then overtime extended it to after 10 o'clock, and I don't know if you're aware, but Chipotle does in fact close at 10 o'clock. So it really was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. In overtime, San Francisco had the first possession and then kicked a field goal, and I feel like we've seen this time and time again. But if the Chiefs have the opportunity to score a touchdown, they will with almost no obstacle. So I feel like when San Francisco scored three and gave the Chiefs that opportunity, it was game over. But then the day after, San Francisco 49ers came out and said, to be honest, like, this is embarrassing, but we didn't really know the overtime rules. Like, how are you in the Super Bowl and you don't know overtime rules? Like, how? Like, at that point, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Sure enough, McCole Hardman was found in the end zone and the Chiefs won 25-22. to It is especially weird that Hardman was the one to finish it off because he actually started the season with the New York Jets, and while he was a Jet, he predicted that he would go against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. It's also funny because Mahomes said that when Hardman caught the ball, he didn't realize that he had just won the Super Bowl. Okay, so before we continue with the rest of our Super Bowl antics, let's go over some things we still need to talk about that we missed this season, starting with fantasy. So I will admit I lacked a little bit in giving some fantasy projections this year. I think being in three leagues was overwhelming for me, even for someone with my expertise in the fantasy department. In my family's league, I ranked 12th place out of 12 people. Not the best look for my family, but luckily they've seen a lot worse for me than my lack of fantasy points that I put up this year. In the next league I was in, which was with some coworkers, I ranked 10th place out of, you guessed it, 10 people. I was also the only girl in that, and it was my first time in the league, so I feel like that probably fed in the stereotype of, like, 
girls not knowing anything about football and all that, but this is my formal apology to all women in sports. Happy Women in Sports Month. I'm sorry. But then, in the last league I was in, I got second place. Mind you, I've not touched all three leagues since I've drafted my players, so getting second place was quite the shock. What can I say? It's all in the game, yo. Sorry, I just started the wire and it's, it's not good for me. Now, again, since it's been some time since we last talked, the Iowa Hawkeyes are no longer in season, but I would be doing my school a disservice if I didn't give the sideliners a brief rundown. The Hawkeyes ended their season 10-4 to as Big Ten West champs. Our season ended against the current national champions, Michigan, the score ending in 26-0. to And then Iowa played in the Cheez-It Bowl against Tennessee, the score ending in 35-0. So, it was very easy to say goodbye to our offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz. Defensive back Cooper DeGene and tight end Eric Gall have declared for the NFL Draft, which are two of Iowa's biggest names, but both were actually injured this season. Kirk Ferentz can't say enough good things about Cooper DeGene, but as a member of the Iowa City community, you already know that I have the inside scoop. So, on Halloween, I went out and saw this generational talent myself. And then as one does, I pretend to take a selfie, but then instead flipped the camera and took a picture of him. And I guess I wasn't that subtle because he looked like he headed out for me right after I did that. Obviously, you know, he didn't know who I was um, as the host of Secondary Sideline, and we'll just chalk it up to a little miscommunication and I'll let it slide. But, you know, it's just my civic duty to, like, give you guys that information, so there you go. Going back to the season, the Hawkeyes won some games, lost some games, but more importantly beat the Fighting Illini in Kinnick Stadium on November 18th. I think we can leave the rundown at that. Now to give you my quick POTW, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. Not only did McCaffrey rush 22 times for 80 yards, but he also caught all eight of his targets for 80 yards and a touchdown. McCaffrey's motivation to push the offense was transparent through the screen, and I was watching this game with my friend Henry, who doesn't even watch football. Even Henry pointed out his drive to get a touchdown during that first possession in overtime, and I think that's why he deserves the recognition, because he just wanted it so bad and he worked so hard for it. Which just made the 49ers loss a harder pill to swallow. Now finally, the drama and news from this week. Again, since it's been so long since we last talked, we missed quite a bit of drama, but just Sunday night alone, so much happened. Let me catch you up first, and then we can talk about all the Super Bowl drama. First and foremost, Bill Belichick retired. Crazy. Also, Nick Saban retired, which is also crazy, but I guess it's an end of an era. Another big name of retirement was Jason Kelsey. Kelsey actually hasn't formally announced his retirement yet because he said that all the emotions surrounding the Eagles' loss in the wild card, but he said something will be said in the future. Luckily for Swifties, though, when his brother Travis was asked about retirement, he said he has no plans in the future to stop playing football. Also, in the Taylor Swift fandom, there was some talk that if Travis won, he would propose, but when Travis was asked about it, he quickly brushed that idea off. And I think in general, both teams just seem to be pretty sick of the Taylor Swift questions, which is kind of understandable. But I have a personal bone to pick, okay? I don't even know who it's directed to, but I just have to get on the mic and complain about this. So after the game, Taylor walks down with Donna and Jason Kelsey, you know, as expected. And then all these photographers and videographers are trying to get shots for her, because obviously. And then, like, two photographers get absolutely ragdolled by security, because they're literally, like, five feet in front of her. Like, they're not trying to attack her. They're literally trying to make her look better. And I've seen this a little bit of Iowa, too, even with Caitlin Clark. But, like, these people have the credential to be there. And if there's too much foot traffic, the security could easily stop Taylor and then yell at the photographers to go to another area. They do not have to, like, tackle them. And, of course, like, Taylor doesn't even, like, 
she pretends not to notice. Anyway, I don't even know why I'm so heated about this. It's just a hill that I have to die on, and we can continue on now. During the game, Andy Reid took Travis Kelsey out for a play or something, and Travis yelled at him and pushed him, and then Reid lost his balance. And Andy wasn't hurt or anything. It just kind of looked like he was really caught off guard. And a lot of people on Twitter were saying, like, oh, this is setting such a bad example for the boyfriend of the most famous woman in the world right now. And then A.J. Brown tweeted that if he did that, he would have been kicked out of the league. And then Tyreek Hill replied to that, saying, we know why, though, right? Which is a little surprising because Hill and Kelsey were teammates for years. Also during the game, Beyonce appeared in the Verizon commercial, and the gist of it was that Verizon could wirelessly support anything happening online, but then during the end she said something like, drop the new music, and then she did in fact drop two new singles, but they're country songs, because apparently that's like the new thing. Shout out to Lana Del Rey. Personally, I'm not in love with her new song, Texas Hold'em, but that's just a personal preference. I am more excited for Lana's country album, Lasso, that comes out in September, but that's not really football related, so we'll continue on. Another fantastic commercial was the Elf commercial, because not only did it feature Judge Judy, but also Louis Litt and some of the Suits cast, which is an A-plus commercial by my standards. And then the last commercial, which actually made my head explode, was the Duncan commercial. The lineup for this commercial was Jack Harlow, Tom Brady, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon. And if you know me at all, this is like my holy grail. And I also happen to drink Dunkin' every morning. I have yet to try their new Dunkin's drink. The last specialized drink I had was the Charlie D'Amelio one, but the minute I publish this, I think I'm going to treat myself to one. I think I have to. If there were four men to convince you to do anything, it would be those four. So, yeah. With that, as always, thank you so much for listening and staying with me for season two. Even though I know there were a lack of episodes, I pretty much, I think I fed you everything you needed to know. Keep following our Instagram for any podcast updates and to see my other work here at Iowa. Me and Joe Burrow will make our comeback at the same time, so stay tuned, and I will see you when I see you.